Happy Friday, everybody. It's game day. My name is Casey Harrison. This is the State News Podcast with Stephen Olshansky, and we've got a show for you today, everybody. We're going to preview Notre Dame versus MSU. Is it still a rivalry? And we're going to talk about the game of the century back in 1966. We're going to talk about other MSU sports news this week, and we're going to talk about the ACC a little bit, um, news coming out uh, from there. And we're going to give a little preview about the MSU weekend scoreboard with other sports around campus. We're going to give our hot takes as usual, and we're going to end with the picks. So, Stephen, oh, not to mention, we've got a little surprise for you guys. Uh, True. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, Stephen, you've, you've talked about it before. Um, you've even written a centerpiece for it. It's on the State News website right now. Um, it's, it's the cover story. And it's about the game of the century. What can you tell me about that 1966 game? The game of the century, it it definitely deserves that moniker because number one, Notre Dame, and number two, Michigan State, met on November 19, 1966, the first time in 30 years of the AP poll that the number one team and the number two team actually met in the regular season and I think pretty much the bowl season. And it's... That's it's, partly what made the game so historical. It, it was it was an unprecedented hype. Everybody, I remember reading in the State News Archive, 700 reporters alone. 700 reporters. Can you imagine that press box? Wow. Packed? And at a time where they didn't have the, the size of the press box they do nowadays. Imagine 700 people covering that game. ABC, uh, with Michigan State, Notre Dame, couldn't play on national TV at first because they, they both of them had used up their national TV appearance. You only were allowed one by ABC, uh, but a flood of letters, even from a guy in, in jail in Texas, that's always my favorite one, a guy in jail in Texas, and people in, and soldiers over in Vietnam uh, sent letters to ABC, and ABC had to make the executive choice to switch the game from a regional broadcast to a national broadcast. You got to see it everywhere, even in Hawaii, which was one of wow. the first. So you got to see it every all, all 50 states except for both Dakotas so that ABC could justify it as a regional matchup. So everybody who was a Notre Dame fan or an MSU fan living in North or South Dakota had to jump the borders to either Minnesota or um, further south. It's pretty crazy the fact that, like, uh, two states in the Great Plains could not have the game televised, but if you went to Hawaii, yeah, you could the, game the game could be tele- televised. And they, they were able to watch it over in Vietnam as well, and they could get the radio broadcast. <laughs> not North Dakota or yeah, South Dakota. exactly. They... Um, they had to justify it as a regional broadcast. But this game was a, a game of two of the best teams, I think, maybe either of all time. Notre Dame in college had, football? Yeah. Notre Dame had come in. They shut out five of their last six coming into that game. Five, Like, imagine imagine shutting out five opponents and They had what? Them. Like a scoring margin of, like... It was 301 yeah. to, like... 20 something. Yeah. It that's was, nuts. Or, like, 19. It was... That's unheard of. It was very... It, it was... They were at a ferocious defense. It was led by Alan Page and Jim Lynch, both linebackers. Phenomenal. Alan Page ended up winning uh, MVP in the NFL, and so he uh, he had a Hall of Fame career. And, and he was the only one out of there. And they had four of the eight, um, or four of the top eight draft picks went from Michigan State in this 1967 NFL draft the year after. That's and that I think that's a record still in it college still football. There's no and they had end up having ten first round picks from that game. So there were mm-hmm. six other than Notre Dame guys picked. In that in that game and the hype surrounding it on campus, it was unbelievable. They pulled ads, state news here. We insert we had a fifteen page insert just on the game alone with some wacky stories and and that was nuts. And then thousands of people 
lined up outside Bubba Smith's dorm, he said, throughout the week. He said multiple times throughout the week, just chant and kill Bubba Kill. He goes, it was probably about 5,000. That's, it that's is, absolutely it's crazy, insane. Crazy, isn't it? Could you imagine, like, going right outside Chris Fry's door and be like... Right. Or you, you go outside. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't imagine that nowadays, but that told you about just how much this game was going to mean to a lot of people and, the, and to the, this campus and Notre Dame's campus. And the game itself ends at a 10-10 tie. It was supposed to be the first time, like, and the national champion was supposed to be decided on the field. Yeah. Like, and, I mean, that's so, like, it's so interesting in the fact that these two teams, there's so much hype behind the two. And then that absolutely just, it it leaves utter chaos for the polls. Right, exactly. One cho- one poll chooses Notre Dame, another one chooses MSU. It just complete there chaos. Are, there are about four credible polls at that time. Imagine that. Well, we only yeah. had two. And, um Four credible polls at the time, and they determined the national champion. And this is a time you got to remember with all this hype without the Super Bowl. Super Bowl is still a year away, and you. This was a time without the Super Bowl. This was a time without like the world, like the big national broadcasts, like the World Cup and the Olympics. And I mean, the Olympics were a big thing still then. But like, think about like the coverage we have now, and that how much hype that we mm-hmm. have now. Um, so like, and this was a time without Twitter, and it was still con- in Facebook, and it was still considered one of the biggest games and i remember talking to clinton jones and gene washington this week and george blaha and just their memories of the game pristine there there's no it, it's 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 kind of immaculate almost because yeah. they, they they have such vivid memories of the game itself and they didn't even want to pay attention to the hype which is the interesting part and i've had the honor of talking to gene and clint before and one of the most interesting facets about the 65 66 teams um, led by Duffy Doherty, was the fact that those teams were integrated. Yeah, oh yeah. And they were the first team really in the country to have an integrated football team. And to be that successful with And it. to make, like, it really made a statement. Like, it, I think it might be one of the most underrated um, civil rights movements in sports ever. Right. Because it kind of just is under the radar. Uh, like, we know about it. I've written stories about it. But it's not common knowledge to most people like to even most msu alum or msu fans they don't really know about that right exactly it's a um, yeah it's hard to because i think it's because both michigan state's lost its powerhouse status it had in those years and now you know 50 years later and this is the first time they're competing for another national title but notre dame's competed for one ever since really and so i think it gets lost uh, on that because the rivalry also isn't like a heated one it's not a it's not a yeah. hate-filled rivalry um, I mean, talking to Clinton Jones and all of them, they just wanted to win so bad. It was their last game of the year. They, they, weren't, they weren't allowed to play in the Rose Bowl again, even though they won another Big Ten title. And talking to them, they just wanted to win so bad. They had so much passion. Clinton Jones was telling me it was harder for him to contain his passion when talking to his teammates. After they used to have, That was the one thing he told me. They always had team meetings that week, team meetings. And then as soon as the coaches walked out, they had players-only meetings. And he just remembers, he goes, I was a co-captain, and I was just standing up there and, and pumping out passion in my words and just relating everything to going into battle. He's, he was saying everybody fired each other up. And I, talking about the integration thing, too, Gene Washington said to me that the, one of the best parts about that whole thing was that the football team was a family to him. And yeah. he said everybody had that family atmosphere. It didn't matter what your skin color looked like, what your race was. And that's the way sports should be. It's all about camaraderie. It's all about picking up your teammates. It's all about creating, like, a brotherly bond. Yeah. And they have that much talent and, and that much love for each other. It's no surprise that they won 
national titles. And it's really really interesting, too, because I know Alabama, um, they they thought they should have won the national title because they were undefeated that year. And um, when when I talked to Gene Washington, he told me that the only reason Alabama was undefeated is because they refused to play any um, integrated teams. Right. They didn't want to play. Yeah. They didn't want to play integrated And they would only play opponents in their state. They had one out-of-state game, and I believe it was against Kentucky. Um, But, yeah, that's just... Think about how much talent was on that MSU team. Like I said, the four of those eight draft picks, all of them were black. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it, and Alabama didn't want any of those guys in their team, and so like it's funny to to see how racism gets you know bit in its own face. Yeah, <laughs> um, so, it's, so I mean the question kind of stems today. There, there's always been a rivalry um, between MSU and Notre Dame throughout the years. Um, sometimes it's been heated, sometimes it hasn't, and a lot of people today don't even acknowledge that Notre Dame and MSU are a rival. What's right. your take on that, Steven? I think a lot of it has to do with ESPN can't sell a narrative of a respectful rivalry. <laughs> yeah. And you can't sell the... Because it's, it's one built on a mutual respect and kind of an animosity towards the University of Michigan, and that's a whole long other story. Um, it's, it's one out of mutual respect, and listen to D'Antonio and the players. There's no, like, hate they have for it. I mean, D'Antonio's always respectful, I guess, when he talks about Michigan. I mean, he's respectful... But... I would say towards almost every opponent. Right, exactly. But there's no like, you know, like he's there's nothing with Notre Dame that irks. I don't think any of the players. It's uh, there's tradition at Notre Dame and there's other those things. But Michigan State and Notre Dame have just played each other practically every year since 1948, and so it kind of just breeds familiarity. So you're gonna have good games in there if you play each other for you know 70 years almost every year. You're gonna end up having games where it's gonna matter like that. Especially like '66 or like '05 and '06 and '2010, those are the ones I can remember of being classic games and whatnot. So that it's not a hate-filled rivalry. So I'm not surprised when other people don't know exactly that Notre Dame is considered a rival. But you know, so so uh, we're we're gonna get to more MSU sports, but we have an ad for us. Um, so when we come back, we're gonna talk about MSU sports news that emerged in headlines this week. Stephen Oshansky here with the State News Podcast. Talking MSU football isn't complete without talking about the driving force behind this amazingly successful program, Mark D'Antonio. Any true Michigan State fan has to check out Reaching Higher, a commemorative book detailing the story behind D'Antonio and how he elevated a struggling team to a national powerhouse. Whether new to Spartan football and reading about this journey to excellence for the first time, or a seasoned football pro wanting to relive the excitement, Reaching Higher makes a great read, and an even greater gift. Reaching Higher, Mark D'Antonio and the Rise of Michigan State Football is available for just $24.95, again $24.95, at T-H-E-S-N-E dot W-S forward slash D'Antonio book. The website, that again is T H E S N E W S forward slash D'Antonio book. Better yet, check it out on the state news website. Click on the D'Antonio ad and it'll link, uh, it'll link you up right to our page. Again, Reaching Higher, Mark D'Antonio and the Rise of Michigan State Football is available now. Welcome back, everybody. Friday afternoon here in East Lansing. It's a sunny day and it is a great day to preview. Notre Dame versus MSU. Um, before we get into that, though, we're going to talk about some of the biggest headlines that came out of other MSU sports during the week. So, 
Tom Izzo landed his first recruit in 2017. Um, that class, he landed Jaron Jackson Jr. He committed to play for the 2017 season. Um, Mr. Jackson, he is rated as the number five power forward in the country, um, according to ESPN's top 100 list. And like I said, he is Izzo's first recruit for the 2017 recruiting class. Um, onward to soccer, Ken Krolicki was named Offensive Big Ten Player of the Week. He had a goal and assist in MSU's 4-0 win over Rutgers, and it was his first Player of the Week honors in over a year. He last won it in 2014 after his game against Indiana. The baseball team has a new coach. His name is Jonathan Roof. Um, He's named Student Assistant Coach. He played for MSU um, prior uh, back when he was a Spartan, he played in all 160 games in his three-year career. Um, as a Spartan, Roof hit 299, registering 188 hits with 31 doubles, five triples, and seven home runs. Uh, the, the Kentucky native had 95 home runs and 31 stolen bases. So he will be a um, key contributing factor to MSU's coaching staff for the upcoming season. And the football team, Ed Davis, um, we announced last week he will be returning, but D'Antonio said he will not start against Notre Dame. That will do it for the State News Sports Update desk. And onward, we're going to talk about the ACC. Uh, they, they made headlines this week. Uh, they are moving neutral site games from all their North Carolina schools. There are four of them. Uh, North Carolina, <laughs> obviously, uh, NC State, Wake Forest, and Duke. Um, the reason that they are moving the neutral site games, which could affect championships, um, is the controversial uh, state law house Bill 2, which forbids people from using a restroom different from the gender on their birth certificate in government buildings. Um, so championships will be re- uh, relocated um, for sports like women's soccer, football, men's and women's swim and dive, women's basketball, men's and women's tennis, men's and women's golf, and baseball. Um, moving the ACC championship game from the Bank of America Stadium, that's, that's one of the key things. Um, that's where the ACC championship game was traditionally held uh, since, I believe, 2010. Um, that's the home of the Carolina Panthers. And ACC doesn't really know what they're going to do about this yet. Uh, it's still kind of up in the air. They they thought maybe they'd talk to the Redskins to play at their stadium, um, but the Redskins haven't said anything yet. But Stephen, <laughs> let's bring up some funny point too, because you're gonna move it. You're gonna you're gonna talk about like discrimination and and all that, and then you're gonna move it to a very derogatory term for a um, <laughs> American yeah. football team named after a very derogatory. I just thought that was a little bit of yeah. irony, but. This speaks, to, I think, to the power of sports in America. Yeah. Because you know how much money is, is tied up in those things, and now you're going to you're going to take it out of North Carolina, and you're going to hurt their business. I mean, you, I you mean, saw it after the bill dropped when Bruce, Springs, bring, bleh, Bruce Springsteen, I can't talk today, He when he moved his concert out of there, I mean, that's money to Charlotte, that's money to other places in North Carolina. These, these businesses aren't going to to be able to attract anything because of this controversial law. And that speaks, I think, to how much people care about sports in this country. And if you're going to make any sort of stand or, or do anything, it, it, sports drives economics now. So I don't know the potential impact of how much money North Carolina and, and Charlotte and all those 
schools are going to lose. And or, actually, I'll tell you this right now. Um, the Charlotte Sports Foundation estimates that the total economic impact from last year's ACC football championship was $32.4 million, and that's from one game. Oh, shoot, so that's... more than 32,000 hotel rooms were booked, and visitors spent $8.4 million in the city, and that's additional, and that's for one game. Right. And additionally, um, the ACC has kind of followed the lead of the NCAA, um, it'll it'll be interesting to see if the NFL ever hosts the Super Bowl down in Charlotte. Yeah, because um, the NBA they moved their All Star right. game from Charlotte. Exactly. Um, so it's it's kind of it's interesting because now it's sports is playing his hand. Yeah. And it, it's kind of be a dangerous game because you and I both agree that I or at least I think I don't know about you that I think it's right that they move these games oh, out of there without a doubt. And um, so to because there's it, it's a wacky. You know, logic behind like that, I don't even I don't even get the argument against um, stuff Look, like they, that. It's because they think you're gonna have predatory, you know, predators lining up saying they're women and hiding in there and, and raping little girls or that, something, which doesn't happen. That no one's ever documented that. Uh, and if it is, it's as a far as small, we know, uh, perhaps maybe a case here or there, but the large majority of it, it's nothing. It's kind. Of, it's a, la- a wacky logic behind there, the, behind it, really. And so now, it's kind of. An, it's going to be interesting with these sports. You, you know what they take a stance on could affect everybody else. Yeah. So you're going to want sports to be on your side. And of that's it. one of the great things that because sports isn't real. Sports right. is like it's it's a fairy tale. It's it's a fairy world. And now it's mixing in, with the in real the world. in the real world that it's it's an escape for people. Right. And the fact that sports can have such a large following on people that it can generate a social or economic impact um, a- across a nation, across the globe, right. is remarkable. Um, and that's, that's one of the great things about sports and about the following that it gets because people can make statements like this. And, Stephen, I, I have a question for you. Do you think the ACC was kind of late in following the NBA and the NCAA? Um, I don't think that? You, you can always – people always argue the timing of certain things. And I think they had to take a deeper look into this besides I, the NCAA because it affects, I think, you know, four schools within their own state. And and I don't think anybody would have thought the you, – after you see all these other dominoes fall, you knew the ACC was coming. Yeah. But, like, nobody would have talked about it had they not done anything. Yeah. Because nobody – this only gets talked about any time – Someone actually has to bring it up, but no one ever. It's not a contentious point, like out there considering like what's out there, like Kaepernick and and other things, and it's kind of overshadowed, I think, by other things. And so, it, did I? The timing of it, I don't think they're behind. I think they're right on schedule because everybody else is just dropping the hammer. What months ago? Uh, yeah, and I mean, I think you raised a valuable point earlier. The fact that the NBA has done it, the NCAA has done it, the ACC now does it. And the only league that has any affiliation in North Carolina now is the NFL, and they haven't done anything yet. Right, and that'll be interesting to see what they do. I think um, the NFL's cowards if they don't do something. Oh, but of course. But then again, it, it, it's going to remain to see how much of a contentious point it becomes, whether or not the NFL... I mean, the NFL, you're going to keep a team in Carolina. It's not like they're going to yeah, boycott. Well, I mean, it's not like Charlotte's going to relocate in the NBA. Right. So you're going to have all that. It'd be interesting whether the NFL ever puts a Super Bowl there. They may, because it's, I don't think, I'd have to look on the docket, but I don't think Charlotte's one of no. the next five or anything like that. And so it might be interesting that they just never choose Charlotte. Out of yeah. That. 
And I keep talking about the NCAA because they've announced that the men's basketball tournament won't they won't have any locations um, in North Carolina. Right. So, so I mean, Duke in North Carolina and NC State and Wake Forest will all have to play road games. Yeah, and so that's like that's that's crippling when it comes down to it, right? Um, because those have large economic impacts, right. whether yeah. you like to admit it or not. Like those games that probably generate millions of dollars right. um, every time those those teams play on the court. It's going to be interesting to see because it's like sports playing the judge. Yeah, they're punishing it now, and you can we can debate the merits of that bill. Obviously, Casey and I are on one side of it, and then it would be interesting just to see how much they play off in influence and if sports is, you know, sports is that big of an economy, but it's also its own private business. Um, so it'll be interesting just to see you know, what it does going forward. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to take a look at the MSU Weekend scoreboard, we're going to give our hot takes, and we're going to do the picks. Talking MSU football isn't complete without talking about the driving force behind this amazingly successful program, Mark D'Antonio. Hi, everybody. My name is Casey Harrison, and any true Michigan State fan has to check out Reaching Higher, a commemorative book detailing the story behind D'Antonio and how he elevated a struggling team to a national powerhouse. Whether new to Spartan football or reading about his journey to excellence for the first time or a seasoned football pro wanting to relive the excitement, Reaching Higher makes a great read, and even a greater gift. Reaching Higher, Mark D'Antonio, and the Rise of Michigan State Football is available for just $24.95. And you can get that book at thesne.ws slash book. That website again is t-h-e-s-n-e dot w-s forward slash book. Or you can go to the website, statenews.com, and click on the Reaching Higher button, and you will be able to take you right to the order page. Once again, it is Reaching Higher. Welcome back, everybody, on this Friday afternoon. I'm Stephen Oshansky, alongside Casey Harrison, as always. And it's time, I think... You want to do the hot takes? I think we should do the hot takes. Oh, let's do, let's the, hot do takes. the hot takes. Casey, give me, the, give me your hot take for this week. So I mentioned earlier that Jaron Jackson Jr. committed to MSU in 2017. Well, he's not going to be here for long. It's way too early for him to commit to a school. I'm, I think he's going to decommit. And this is based off of no logic and no reasoning whatsoever, but I've got a bold feeling in the pit of my stomach, right right by the gonads, and he is going to decommit. <laughs> he will never wear a green and white uniform. Oh, he will decommit. Mr. Harrison, is, uh, I, I don't know what you were doing last night, and obviously some sort of uh, substance of some sort. You're being, uh, you're being a little no. crazy this morning. I think you need to check your reality pills. It's... The man's the number five power forward in the country, according to the ESPN. I think he's going to be safe where he's at. I'm not, I don't even know how to argue this with you. That's how bad that was. I, I, I still know. love you, buddy, but oh, come on now, dude. What if Coach K says, come here, oh, buddy. He did, I, though. I've he got, I've got some dollar bills for you under the table. By, he wasn't even offered by Duke. He's, stop that. It's not too you late. stop that. It's not too late. You stop that. Anyway, now for the actual hot take of the day. Colin Kaepernick in his stance isn't going to go is actually you know is how contentious it's been i think actually it's going to tail off now i think it's done i think 
he he's going to continue to do it, but I think we're going. The country is going to lose into it. I mean, the attention span I of mean, this yeah. nation is very minimal, and no one actually wants to talk about his issue. It's going to fall off the clip. It could be me and Casey talking about his issue every week, but his issue it's gonna it's gonna fall off. People are going to forget. It's just going to be the halfwits uh, who at those games who yell at him during the national anthem, even though they're supposed to be respectful and standing and be quiet during the national anthem. They'll probably yell at him for sitting on the sideline. If you're uh, you know a, a dumb halfwit football. Pl- junkie that's probably what's going to happen it it's going to tail off now people are going to forget about it that's you know, it's kind of sad that that people are going to forget his actual issue but i feel now it's going to tail off and people are just going to forget about it that um i mean that's kind of how the news cycle works i'm not saying i agree with that but yeah i mean it's it's becoming old news with each coming day and well the other thing is too he, is he's not he's going to keep trying to be newsworthy he's going to keep trying to find himself in headlines i think the other thing is he's not you take it you look at other athletes who made these stances that were contentious like muhammad ali muhammad ali at the time was still considered one of the best boxers of all yeah time. i Colin mean kaepernick is he's not even a the starter for the 49ers currently when yeah. you're a backup uh in the nfl you usually if, if this was what three or four years ago and oh the 49ers yeah it might be a little bit when, when they're ahead towards super bowl it'd be a big deal yeah however um him not being one of the greatest of all time, I think, is it probably affects it wrongfully, but that that is that. So, well, uh, football isn't the only thing that uh, MSU is known for. They've got other sports. Do you know that? I, I, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> do, do they? I don't know. Do I do I go here? Uh, I think so. I mean, I, so, perhaps, sometimes. Did I cover those? I don't know. No. Go for so, it. So the women's golf team, they are competing in the Mason Rudolph Championship. That's all weekend uh, going on right now. The Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> the volleyball team is hosting the Spartan Classic. That's at Jenison Fieldhouse. Um, if you can't make it to the Notre Dame game in South Bend, well, you're in luck because the MSU volleyball team is taking on Notre Dame Friday night, 7 p.m. Be there. Um, on Saturday night, they will take on Maryland Eastern Shore at 11.30 a.m., and they will complete the doubleheader on Saturday versus DePaul at 6 p.m. The cross-country team is taking part in the Spartan Invitational. Uh, that takes uh, that, that starts at noon, so you're going to be a little conflict of interest either listening to the podcast or watching the Spartan Invitational. The field hockey team, they play the University of Michigan at not Spartan Stadium, but they're they're playing it at home at 6 p.m. Um, the women's soccer team they have two games over the weekend. They play a night game Friday against Nebraska. That game's at 8 p.m. and then Sunday at Iowa. That's a 2 p.m. game, so they'll be out in the boonies for that one. Um, the men's soccer team they also play Michigan. That's Sunday at noon at Demartin Soccer Stadium, and softball they have a scrimmage against Lansing Community College. That is at Setia Softball Field, and that is at 3 p.m. And then the men's golf team, they play the Inverness Invitational, and that will be on Monday and Tuesday. But that's it. Um, also, I mean, the football team, I don't know if you really care about them, but uh, we're going to preview them a little bit. So... I, I'll take this one. Yeah? Let me go with this. I mean, you're only the beat writer. Do right. You, do, do you really know writer. that Mich- much about the team? Yeah, something like that. Michigan State heads into Notre Dame uh, an eight-point underdog. Yes. From Vegas uh, Vegas being its infinite wisdom, uh, so its infinite dumbness. It, it's actually just to get it 
it's actually kind of wisdom if you think about it because they just want people yeah, to bet on the people, game. Yeah. If if you're a Spartan fan, I would bet on the under for this one. Even I would may I would actually maybe take the Spartans in that, but we'll get to that when we actually do the picks. MSU football it comes off the bye week against after playing against Furman in a shaky start. There's not much to write about in a bye week, especially when there's no storylines because you only played one game. Literally, you could write a story every week that says, "Hey, the team needs to improve." Especially coming off a bye week after week one. It, it, Notre Dame comes in uh, now 1-1 one one after rolling over, um, just demolishing Nevada in every aspect. And then after the week one loss, a double overtime victory, or victory, the loss, double overtime loss to Texas. Wow. And so it, it'll be an interesting game. I think Deshaun Kaiser, it, he's going to present the biggest problem for the Spartan defense and the biggest test. Nowadays, you got to play. The, it's kind of a struggle after you struggle with your defensive line to have to play a guy who's a dual threat, maybe even better than guys like you know Braxton Miller or Marcus Mariota. And that's, that has yet to be seen. But when you have to play guys like that, it's going to present an interesting def, or interesting threat for the Spartan defense for sure. Um, the Spartans are underdogs in that game, even though they are ranked number twelve in the country. Right. While the Fighting Irish are number eighteen. Um, Seven thirty matchup as well down in South Bend. First time in a long time they've actually played a physical night game. So I think the game is going to come down to this. I think it's going to come down to the deep ball, um, whether or not MSU will be able to thread the needle, right. whether they will be able to execute, um, because they can. They have the run game. They have LJ Scott. They have Madre London. If they can, um, get those off guys there. have proven themselves. Right. Um, they can get through the line, and I, I think. MSU won't really have a problem there. Right. As long as they can get off the aspect that dink and dunk football is going to win every game. And this game kind of reminds me a lot of the Oregon game last season. Um, the fact that you're, you're going off, you're, you played a lesser opponent week one. Last, last year it was Western, Western Michigan. This year it was Furman. Um, and then you're probably headed into the biggest game, I would say, of your season because it's – it's the tone setter. If MSU loses this game, then you can say that there's a pretty safe bet they won't return to the college football playoff. They won't return to the Big Ten championship. And they might be able to get a good bowl game. But this season would almost be regarded as a failure because they haven't elevated the program at all. Right. And that's, that's you, your goal year in and year out. After, after the years that they've had the past, you know, what, three years? Yeah. If you don't beat Notre Dame at this point, you know, even reloading, you gotta kind of prove yourself, and this game gives them the first chance to prove. And this is a big test for Tyler O'Connor, um, oh, because yeah, the media, far. the media is gonna get their consensus out after this game. Um, what type of quarterback he is is going to be defined by this Notre Dame game. Right. Oh, for sure, he's gonna he's gonna get rushed. That I don't know. They didn't get really big of a test against Furman, that yeah. offensive line. So it, it'll be interesting now to see, you know, on a away game, how, they, how their snaps work, how their um, – what his rhythm is going to be with receivers. He's got to take shots, I think, down the field with Monty Medeiros. Yeah. And, and R.J. Shelton, too. And, well, not necessarily Shelton, but more Felton Davis. Yeah. Felton Davis, 6'4". And then kids – I mean, R.J. Shelton's smaller than me. And I'm six foot, and R.J. Shelton's 5'11". So, I mean, take that for what you will, but – He's he's not going to be the deep threat. He's fast. He obviously he'll be the guy on slant and goes and, and whatnot because his sheer hands. But it'll be interesting to see whether Michigan State finally dials up a long ball after so many years of them not really chucking it deep, especially with this weakened secondary of Notre Dame. It's a, it's going to be important to see how fast Tyler O'Connor gets into a rhythm too. 
Um, he had a little bit of trouble in the first half against Furman, and that's that's precious time that you can't waste right. against Notre Dame. He, I like the way he got into rhythm against Furman uh, in the second half, in the third and fourth quarters, because he was able to get passes off and do it in a timely matter. Right. Um, the defense, I mean, the defensive line is going to have to do a better job than they did against Furman. Um, they they missed a lot of tackles that right. they didn't they didn't you, show much either yeah. defensively. I think it would be interesting. Just my dad and I were talking about this yesterday. Was how quickly will they be able to, or which linebackers have to? How many times will they have to make a stop? Yeah, and, and whether or not can they contain Deshaun Kaiser if he gets out on the edge? Because I don't know how much pressure they're going to be. Either he's going, it's going to be a throw fest. Yeah, my dad was saying it's going to be a blowout or it's going to be a, a shootout. Yeah, because MSU is obviously going to be able to kind of protect against the screen. Um, they're going to be able to really do a good job against the mid-range passes. Um, the secondary, I think this is going to be their biggest test of the season. Oh, for sure. Um, because Notre Dame is really good with the deep ball. Um, Deshaun Kaiser is good at finding his receivers downfield. It'll be interesting to see if Damian Terry gets any snaps because uh, Notre Dame struggled with the two two quarterback system against Texas, but that's really not Michigan State's thing. And Tyler O'Connor can run. Damian Terry, I think, is the quicker of the two. Yeah. But I don't – it's really not their style to do that. And if, yeah. they, if they do dial that up instead of trying to – like, if, if they dial it up because something isn't working, but that's their game plan from the start, it's going to be – I think it will be an ugly game. Yeah, I think, I think the game is going to come down to who can make the most deep balls. And MSU – that's the concerning thing is because MSU has always had a track record of a conservative-type play calling. Um, so if, if Mark D'Antonio can go out and have the, the type of offense that just punches Notre Dame right in the mouth from the get-go, then I don't think there's going to be a problem. They're going to be able to take care of business and come out of South Bend with the victory. Um, so, Stephen, what is your score prediction for the game? Well, my score prediction, MSU is going to get the job done, I think. Ooh. But barely... Ooh. With a 27 to 24 victory over the Fighting Irish, I think they'll have they won't score in the last minute. They'll have to hold off an Irish attack in the last minute. I think the defense perhaps steps up with an interception late in the game. I think it's not going to go in the MSU's favor, and it's going to be Notre Dame winning 38, and MSU wins. 20 or no <laughs> they're both gonna no. win aren't yeah they? they're both gonna win everybody wins <laughs> everybody new, gets the a medal tie. it's the new um, tie um the score right? is gonna be notre dame 38 msu 28 it's gonna be a 10 point loss and i think that does it and so with other predictions it's everybody's favorite part of the week it's, it's the friday tradition it's the picks so game number one of the afternoon um, on Saturday, number 25, Miami at Appalachian State. Miami favored by three in that game. That game kicks off Saturday at noon. Steven, what is your take on that game? Appalachian State is the world shockers. They almost upset Tennessee. But, however, I think Miami handles them, and I think that favored by three is about right. I, I would take Miami by a field goal. The Hurricanes going to get the job done. I think it's going to come down to the last play of the game. It's going to be a field goal situation. M- or Appalachian State is going to swat down the field goal, and they're going to run it back, and they're going to have another miracle, another upset. Give me Appalachian State. Game number two of the weekend, number two Florida State at number 10 Louisville. Uh, Florida State is favored by two in that game, only two, and that game kicks off Saturday at noon. 
Lamar Jackson is really good. Obviously, Louisville is going to be one of the teams that competes for that uh, coveted spot in the Big or Big Ten. The, in uh, the Big Ten. In the college football playoff. In the Big However, ACC. Florida State proves to you, as they always do, that they aren't overrated, that they are good, and that Louisville is, in fact, the overrated team. Give me the Knowles. They're going to take it over Louisville in Louisville by more than two. Well, Lamar Jackson as the QB, he's done a really good job so far. Uh, Chucky Williams has been the leader on defense for Louisville. I think Bobby Petrino is going to get the job done, lead the cards to victory. I'm cheering because I've got family in Louisville. Give me the number 10 Cardinals. Game number three of the afternoon, number one Alabama at number 19 Ole Miss. Uh, The Tide favored by 10.5 in that game, and that game kicks off Saturday at 3.30. Last time there at Ole Miss, the Ole Miss crazies decided they needed to rip the goalposts out of the stadium. Not going to do it again this time. I believe in Alabama, as I usually do. And so if you think Alabama is not the best team in the SEC, even after two weeks, you're an idiot. So I'm going to pick Alabama. It's not even going to be close, Casey. And if you pick Ole Miss, I will be pleasantly surprised, and then I wish you luck, and I'm going to make you eat a shirt if, they're, if you're wrong. This no. one, I'm, I'm throwing that one out there this time. You're going to eat the shirt if you pick Ole Miss. Well, uh, last year, Ole Miss beat Alabama, and that's fresh in their minds. That, and Nick Saban knows that. Uh-oh. Nick Saban's Uh-oh. angry about that. Uh-oh. That was the only blemish. That was the only blemish that Alabama had last season, and they did not look good after that win or after that loss. Um, so Uncle Nick's going to come out angry. He's going to come out mad. He's going to spank Ole Miss. I think it's going to be more than a 10-point game. Give me Bama. Roll Tide! Game number four of the afternoon, number 17, Texas A&M at Auburn. Auburn favored by three and a half. That's an evening game uh, on Saturday, 7 p.m. start time. What you got? Don't think Texas is – or Texas. Texas A&M is deep enough to compete with Auburn. However, Auburn is not – good enough to compete with itself. So I'm going to give me the Aggies and their little collie dog. They're going to run all over Auburn, and they're going to win, and they're going to beat that spread by probably only a field goal. Give me the Aggies. Well, um, I respect that decision, but I am going to disagree like a gentleman. Um, I think Like a proper southern gentleman? Yes. <laughs> um, I, I will go see my southern bell after this is done recording. But... Uh, Auburn's going to win this game. I think they're going to be able to take care of Texas A&M by a touchdown. Uh, give me the Tigers. And so game number five, the last national game of the week um, of our 5-5 five and five segment, USC at number seven, Stanford. Stanford favored by 8.5. That game kicks off Saturday at 8 p.m. at Stanford. I probably already said that. Steven? What is it? Uh, this is this ain't even a, a pick. I don't know why it's on their slate. Just kidding. Stanford, Stanford definitely wins this one. Uh, yeah, Stanford. I'm gonna keep repeating it. Stanford, 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 Stanford. Um, I've I've got one sentence for you, Stephen. Uh, let's go pine trees. Uh, let the the saplings of Stanford. They're gonna win this game. Uh, USC's not a good team. Big Ten games. Well, first game. Georgia State at number nine, Wisconsin. Wisconsin favored by 34 and a half over in I can't Randall Stadium. Saturday, that's a noon game. Casey, 
Um, well, I've, I've told this story to you a lot. My uncle, he was the head basketball coach at Georgia State. He was their winningest head coach at the time. He brought them their only NCAA tournament appearance, but Wisconsin's going to win. Oh, <laughs> dispersed the uncle with that one. Uh, Sorry, Uncle be Bob. A, uh, give me the old Bucky Badgers there. They're going to give you a top five matchup with Michigan State next week. Or is it next week? Yes, next week. Yes. Next week, they're going to give you a top five matchup with the Spartans. Or it's going to be at least a top ten. However, if Casey picks right and those other top ten teams fall out, Wisconsin MSU is going to be a top five because Michigan State will vault up higher to number five. Wisconsin will be a four. Michigan will be at one. Ohio State at two. All that jazz. That's going to go. That could happen. Give me the Bucky Badgers on that one. Game number two, number 22, Oregon. At Nebraska in the Big Ten here. Nebraska favored by three points at a Saturday 3.30 p.m. game. Tough to play down there in Lincoln. Casey, what you got? MSU fans know how hard it is to play at Nebraska, um, whether it's the officiating crew or not, but that's a story for wow. another day. Uh, give, me, <laughs> give me the Cornhuskers. I think they're going to upset the Ducks. Upsetting the Ducks, uh, that's a bad pick. My friend, uh, you're a bad pick. The, wow, wow. You know what? The ducks are gonna just gonna quack all over the <laughs> corn huskers. They're quack. gonna eat up the corn. They're gonna pop all the balloons they throw out of the stadium. Oregon wins this one, I think, by a touchdown. Oh, yep. Game number three, Colorado at number four, Michigan. Michigan favored by 20. Take the over on that one. Saturday, 3.30 p.m., Casey, go for it. Well, uh, if you look at the spread every week, the spread gets smaller and smaller and smaller with MS or with U of M. So I'm not going to say that Michigan is going to get upset by Colorado, but that game is going to be closer than last week when they played UCF. You're, you're blatantly wrong. Michigan is actually... Got a pretty potent offense. Colorado can't compete. This is a team that only won. But can they run four games last year? Can they year. run? I don't think so. This is the game. This is a team that only won four games last year. Colorado is not going to beat the Wolverines, especially at home. The way the Wolverines have been playing. Yeah. So I've got Michigan. I've got Michigan as well. Game number four on the list. Number three, Ohio State at number fourteen, Oklahoma. OSU favored by one and a half points. In Wow, I can't remember where Oklahoma is currently. Well, uh, they're is, in yeah, Oklahoma. Wow, wow, this is, I can't even, I couldn't even tell You're you. You're a professional, I, I knew this. Saturday at 7.30 p.m. I used to know this in my younger days. Oklahoma, oh, it's in Norman. That's where they're at. Wow. See, I always knew it. See, Oklahoma. And, you want to get back to the, uh, to the Ohio show? Ohio State at number 14, Oklahoma. Ohio State favored by one and a half. Saturday, 7.30 p.m. What you got? So this game could be a precursor of the college football playoff. Wow. What if it's the game of the century? Oh, no. Yeah, stop that right now. Um, actually, no, because this this game, the Buckeyes are going to take away any hopes Oklahoma has of returning to the college football playoff because Oklahoma's going to have two losses coming out of Saturday. Give me the Buckeyes by a field goal. Wow. I'm also going to take the Buckeyes as well. There's no really debate on this one. JT Barrett, I think he'll have a firepower offense. Baker Mayfield, I think we'll have a day but he won't be able to get it done solely on his talents. Give me Ohio State. Then, your biggest game of the week, if you are a slappy like us, Michigan State, number 12. The Spartans take a trip down to South Bend for the first time since 2013, the first time they've played since 2013, after number 18, Notre Dame. Notre Dame favored by eight points. 
because Vegas doesn't know what they're talking about. Saturday, 7.30 p.m., under the lights, what you got? Cheer, cheer for old Notre Dame. Michigan State will not win that game. It will remind me of 06, because they will not win that game. (laughs) So you got Notre Dame, Mr. Harrison. Yes. You score? Um, I, oh, we I said it before, this, yeah. But do it again. Give me it again. Um, I, I believe I had 38-28. Right. Uh, Mr. Harrison is a slappy, and I might as well do my own rendition. Cheer, cheer for the Spartans. Tyler O'Connor will throw the ball. He'll throw that ball all over the Irish, and they'll finally win again. Wow, that so give was me the Spartans. Beautiful. That was beautiful, wasn't it? 24 uh, to 23. Wow, I said 27-24 the first time. I don't care. It's going to be close. Give me the Spartans. And our bonus pick, we stay again in the MAC. Western Michigan at Gotta Illinois. Gotta get that fresh West, action. Western Michigan favored by three. Last time we picked them, they won. They upset Northwestern. Last time we picked a MAC team, Central last week, they uh, we did not pick that MAC team. When we picked against the, the MAC, MAC team, they proved us wrong. So it looks like we may have to stay. The MAC is 2-0 and against the, us. Yeah, exactly. What do you got, Mr. Harrison? Um. Well, <laughs> Western is Kentucky. Or- Western Kentucky. Yes, yes. very good. Western Michigan is favored in that game by three points. That kicks off Saturday, 4 p.m. I think they're going to row the boat over the Illini. Give me the Broncos. Casey doesn't believe in Lovey Smith. I believe in Lovey Smith. Give me the Illini, and they're going to stop the boat, and they're going to flip the boat, send them back up the river, and that'll do it. I'm going to take the Illini. Uh, by more than a touchdown, to be honest with you. I'm going to take the Illini more than a touchdown over the Broncos, and that will conclude our picks for the week. Well, it's that time again. We're going to wrap up the show. Um, if you missed any of our content, check it up um, at statenews.com. Remember to give us a follow back on SoundCloud, Twitter, uh, like our page on Facebook, and we love you guys. Um, so... I just want to give you guys, uh, I want to say happy Friday, Stephen. Another happy Friday. Should be a good weekend. We'll both, Casey and I, will be down in South Bend covering the game. Make sure to follow along with us on Twitter as well as at statenews.com for all the action for MSU football. But another great week. We'll see you guys on Monday, or Tuesday. I forgot we switched yeah. those Tuesday platforms. You'll hear from us again on Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Talking MSU football isn't complete without talking about the driving force behind this amazingly successful program, Mark D'Antonio. Any true Michigan State fan has to check out Reaching Higher, a commemorative book detailing the story behind D'Antonio and how he elevated a struggling program to a national powerhouse. Whether new to Spartan football and reading about this journey to excellence for the first time or a seasoned football pro wanting to relive the excitement, Reaching Higher makes a great read and an even greater gift. Reaching Higher, Mark D'Antoni and the Rise of Michigan State Football is available for just $24.95. Again, that is $24.95 at T-H-E-S-N-E dot W-S slash forward D'Antonio book. That website, again, is T-H-E-S-N-E dot W-S forward slash D'Antonio book. Better yet, just go to the State News website and check out the banner ad with Mark D'Antonio and the title of the book, Check us out. That'll do it. Reaching higher, Mark D'Antonio on the rise of Michigan State football. Available now.